0: Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at f one pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. I'm Mark Daly. I'm your host. It's Friday morning and we're here doing what we always do on this uh, program and that is Talk Formula One. And it has been a bit of a, a weird time uh, as I've uh, been uh, in the studio to get the show done for, for today. I came in, sat down, and I noticed that there was a bunch of Windows ups, uh, updates uh, pending to install on my computer. So I thought, well, I know that this uh, computer tends to run slow when it's downloading and installing. So I thought I'll just go and lie down, just chill on the couch uh, for for a little while. I did it did th- its thing. I completely fell asleep and now I don't know where I am or what my, my, my name is, thing is. I'm not a morning person, regardless what time I wake up and naps uh, included, but I'll persevere, I'll manage, and we'll get through this uh, together. So I was just looking, today is actually October 30th, 2020. My goodness, where's the time gone? We are now down to only two months left in 2020, and I, for one, cannot wait to to see this year come to an end. Uh, Unfortunately, that doesn't mean that uh, COVID and all that is necessarily going to go away at the uh, at the turn of the new year on January 1st but uh, hey, you know it's an opportunity to turn over new leaf and uh, and start a fresh year and uh hopefully 2021 goes better anyways we're not here to talk about that well Actually, we kind of are. Before we get into the news itself uh, for this week, uh, some of the breaking news that came out, uh, on, you know, this week and on Thursday, uh, I will start with uh, George Russell, the uh, the Williams driver. His uh, personal trainer, Alex uh, Casanovas, has uh, been self isolating since Thursday, and will have a, a COVID test at Friday uh, outside of the paddock in Imola, and must actually uh, return a negative test uh, before he can actually enter the facility. So he's been showing mild uh, respiratory symptoms. Uh, for COVID nineteen in the last uh, couple of days, uh, Russell and Cafano- uh, Casanova's have actually not been in, in contact uh, together since uh, they were at uh, at Portimao in Portugal for the Grand Prix last weekend, and they haven't seen each other since since race day. Uh, both of them have actually produced negative COVID uh, tests uh, since then. Uh, Russell is going to have his COVID test uh, today. He uh, last had a test on Tuesday of this week. It was part of the uh, entry requirements to get into Italy. That was negative. Uh, fortunately. Unfortunately, <laughs> Anyways, uh, a spokesperson for Williams had to say, quote, after displaying mild respiratory symptoms this morning, Williams can confirm that George Russell's performance coach is self-isolating today in line with FIA guidelines. A COVID-19 test collected yesterday was negative. However, he will undergo further precautionary test again tomorrow outside the paddock before taking further directions from the FIA. He has not been in contact with George since race day in Portugal. George undertook his scheduled COVID-19 test on Tuesday in order to enter Italy today which also was confirmed as negative. He will be retested uh, at the track on Friday as part of the team's regular testing schedule, end quote. Well, so far, so good uh, for George himself. has not uh, returned a positive COVID test. However, their reserve driver, Jack Aitken, is going to be on site at the track uh, starting uh, today. And he's actually been at a number of races uh, this year just to uh, support the team. Um, But, uh, well, we've seen that that reserve drivers have been needed. Obviously, we've seen... uh, uh, with with uh, Nico Hulkenberg and Racing Point, uh, he's uh, filled in on several occasions uh, this year. So, uh, the the thing is, part of the FAA uh, protocols, um, everyone that is going to be uh, attending the Grand Prix, from the mechanics to support personnel to the drivers. They have to have a regular screening for COVID-19. They take a test every five days at the events, as well as one within 24 hours of arriving at the race venue. So uh, in alignment with the uh, FAA's COVID-19 protocols, that anyone who begins to suffer any COVID-type symptoms while they're outside of the venue has to re- immediately report to the nearest uh, medical facility and get uh, guidance uh, from their team. And by, by this time, we all know that the, the the list of uh, potential COVID symptoms are pretty much like uh, the symptoms we see at this time of year when we have cold and flu season anyways, and that includes fever, cough, shortness of breath, fatigue, headache, runny nose, sore throats, loss of sense of uh, taste or smell. Yeah, the, the last couple, skin rash or discoloration of fingers of toes, that's uh, a little bit uh, different, uh, but uh, hopefully uh, this is just uh, a bit of a false alarm and, uh, and George's uh, performance coach, uh, Alex castle uh, Sanovas uh, is just uh, having a, a mild illness, not COVID related. And uh, we, we don't see that uh, come up again. Unfortunately, we, we probably will. Also, uh, when it comes to the race uh, this weekend at uh, Imola, it's actually going to be uh, run uh, behind closed doors after all. Uh, they've been uh, given uh, permission about a month ago to sell up to 13,000 tickets and basically operate a, a VIP hospitality booth uh, for local sponsors and guests and all these uh, different things. Uh, this week, uh, there was a decree, an order that was put out by Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte's office uh, ordering a bunch of new COVID-19 measures. So there, the, it includes... Uh, new restrictions on crowds at events and more of the general type things uh, such as closure of restaurants and cafes uh, across Italy from 6 p.m., et cetera, et cetera, et cetera uh anyways um unfortunately it, it's it's not going to be like we've seen in the last uh, couple of races where there have been uh, fans in attendance but it's interesting they actually hadn't sold all of the 13,000 uh, tickets that were available uh however the race uh, promoters were actually expecting uh, maybe a bit of a run in the days coming up to the uh, event because they felt like a lot of people were just uh, sitting back and watching because of a case of um, a cancellation of the of the race itself or maybe because of uh some uh, introduction of uh, crowd restrictions, which actually is a, you know, panned out uh, to be true. So a bit uh, disappointing, but uh, unfortunately, it's just the way things are right now. Okay. Well, uh, moving ahead now, uh, the Formula One teams, uh, all 10 of them have actually agreed in principle to a, a $30 million driver salary cap that's going to start in 2023. Um, so the, the numbers have actually not been uh, finalized. This is uh, just something that's been uh, thrown out there as part of a provisional uh, plan. So it's a, it's, it's going to be 20, 30 million for uh, the, the both drivers combined. So you could split it to a 20 and 10, 15 and 15, 1 and 29 or whatever it might be. So they also have plans to actually put a cap on the combined salaries of the top three employees in the team, which is usually the technical director, the team principal, whatever, you know, there's uh, th- those sorts of people, those sorts of uh, uh, titles. So it's uh, it- it's part of this uh, ongoing uh, uh theme or effort that we've seen in Formula One over the past uh, several months to really curb the spending and tighten it up. Uh, because I mean, it, they're going to be in uncertain times as uh, we all are as uh, we, we deal with the economic uh, repercussions of the, the, the global pandemic. And they, they really feel that income streams in the sport are going to be uh, affected uh, for a number of years uh, to come. So uh, what we do know is the $145 million budget cap that's uh, coming in next year. And that's going to be on a, a decreasing scale for the next couple of years years. years thereafter. And uh, the, the driver salaries and the top employees uh, cap, uh, that's, that's a bit of a, well, that's, that's not going to be included in the, the, the budget cap for next year, but the teams have accepted that there actually should be some restrictions on that. So they uh, discussed it in, uh, and voted at it uh, at a meeting of the F1 Commission on Monday, and it was actually backed by all the, the, the team principals uh, from the, the 10 Formula One teams. So the, the details, of course, will have to be agreed upon uh, before it actually gets uh, ratified eventually. Uh, by the World Motorsport uh, Council. So, anyway, it's uh, interesting uh, d- to see that uh, that these uh, sort of things are, are still ongoing, and I think I think it's actually a, a very responsible uh, thing to do. And I, I really think it's a, as I said a couple of times uh, on the show, since we've uh, seen these measures uh, be discussed and introduced in Formula One, I think it really shows a, a new era of uh, you know fiscal and financial responsibility in Formula One, and I, I, th- I think it's a good idea. I mean, uh, I, I like the uh, you know fr- from a couple. Of different things. I mean, of course, uh, Formula One is glitzy and glamorous, and there's a lot of money being spent, and you know that that's part of the mystique, part of the allure. But uh, I I don't think uh, when it comes to spending on on cars and development and all that uh, for for the teams, I don't think there should be unlimited budgets. I think that um, I well, I'm hoping that the this new uh, budget cap will uh, promote some sort of uh, you know parody within the sport that will close the gaps uh, in performance between the you know the, the, the the haves and the have-nots of course you can have uh, all the money in the world or or not it really comes down to how wisely you spend it and, and what you do with it to, to really make it uh, effective so of course uh, if you if you have a lot of money I mean you can do more things with it but uh, certainly I think the teams that uh, are able to be a little bit more flexible that are able to do more maybe with less those are the teams that uh, that are going to be the ones to, to look for anyways uh, moving along to the next uh, item them. And uh, well, we're kind of sticking with these uh, sort of uh, behind the scenes things. Uh, the Formula One is looking at a 23 race. Season for 2021, which is uh, pretty cool. I mean, obviously we are all disappointed we didn't get the full 22 races we'd been uh, hoping for this year. Of course, the pandemic uh, screwed all of that up, and uh, you know, fortunately, we came back with uh, with the 17 race uh, season, which I still think is an amazing uh, compromise and uh, and 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 rescue of the the season. But I'm surprised that uh, that uh, they've already uh, gone ahead and planned the schedule for next year, which of course they have to. But still, with all the uh, the uncertainty you know they're still looking at a 23 race season and they have said in the past that they actually think that they could uh, run up to 25 races uh, for for an entire formula one season which is a lot of races i mean you you basically think we're racing uh, you know for for half of the weekends out of the year i mean 52 races in the or sorry 52 weeks in a year 25 races I mean, it's great for people like us that love uh, Formula One. We love to sit down uh, as many weekends out of the year to watch uh, our, our favorite sports, but uh, it certainly uh, would put a lot of strain on the team. So that's why I thought uh, that number of 23 for 2021 was uh, was quite surprising considering all the uncertainty and all the things going on around the world. But as we've seen, I mean, um, the FAA has put a pretty effective uh, COVID uh, uh, protocols into the, the, the Formula One bubble. I mean, uh, obviously, Obviously, it has not been without uh, challenges. They, they they knew that that was going to happen, but it seems that uh, the issues that we've seen when uh, Perez uh, tested positive and then uh, the the fallout from Stroll testing positive and some of the personnel at uh, Mercedes it's it's it seems to have worked, and that's why I think it's it's pretty impressive to to get where we are since we started at the beginning of July in Austria to where we are right now, back in Europe at um, in, in Imola to to, to uh, you know to get as far as we are in the season, I think is uh, really, really impressive. But still, it, it is interesting that uh, that they are pushing ahead with such a large uh, schedule despite all the uncertainty. So we're, we're looking at uh, a scheduled start uh, in Australia on uh, the 21st of March, followed by ba- Bahrain, which is uh, pretty uh, pretty usual. Then uh, we'd have a gap to the Chinese Grand Prix at the, uh, the the second weekend in April. And then finally, we'll get to the Vietnamese Grand Prix in Hanoi, which was uh, sadly one of the races uh, that was uh, cancelled uh, this year. It was was set for a very early time slot and then as uh, everything started to fall apart in the middle of March it was uh, promptly uh, cancelled. So one of, one of the big changes uh, for, um, for for next year will be the, the movement of the Dutch Grand Prix uh, at Zandvoort which uh, was it was going to be held uh, I believe it was in, in May of this year. Anyways that was one of the races that was cancelled. Uh, Jan Lammers who's uh, in charge of that uh, uh, the, the Dutch Grand Prix and as one of the, uh, the, the bosses at at, uh, at Zandvoort they uh, said that they'd actually rather postpone and uh, and or cancel it and then postpone it to a, a day somewhere farther off in the future where they could have the people in attendance of course having all the passionate dutch fans at zandvoort uh, with max verstappen would be a, a wonderful thing you know fantastic uh, atmosphere at the track so anyways uh, the, the big thing is that uh, 2023 they they're looking to move the, the dutch grand prix into the autumn so here we go uh, interesting that uh, it uh, it should uh, turn out that way. So we'll, we'll see how this uh, gets hashed out over the next uh, little, uh, you know, over the weeks and months. But uh, 2020, or sorry, 23 races for 2021 seems a very ambitious, uh, you know, schedule. So uh, one of the proposed additions is a, a race that will be held in in Saudi Arabia. Of course, that's causing a little bit of uh, controversy. And uh, Amnesty Inter- International is warned of uh, what they've called sports washing, uh, if uh, Formula 1 actually has um, a race in Saudi Arabia uh, to basically um, overlooking i guess the the, the human rights um, uh, problems that they have there and uh, they are uh, hoping to uh, get um, uh, a race a street race in the, the city of Jeddah which is uh, like i said it's on the provisional schedule uh, that was uh, given out to the team bosses at the uh, the F1 committee uh, uh, commission meeting of uh, Monday this uh, th- th- this week so uh, yeah that that is a problematic uh, in, in many ways and Amnesty is uh, they've really campaigned against uh, uh, human rights violations in Saudi Arabia and uh, and uh, well actually they, they made that link uh, that, that Saudi Arabia has to, to support so we'll see um, it sounds like Formula One wants to do this but um, who knows how it turns out uh, especially if there are other implications other things uh, to, to look at okay so we're going to look at uh, well actually before we do that uh, we're coming on up- on a break here so i'm just going to hold off on the next story but before we do that i want to talk to you guys once more about my bookie because between the nfl college ball major league baseball if it's still on i mean of course the dodgers won it all the just a couple of days ago there's still no shortage of uh, games to watch and with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie So if you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you the chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday, and every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. So sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use my special promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a 1000 bucks. It's a special bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code OVERTIME for you to claim your bonus when you make your first deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. All right, well, welcome back to the show. And well, let's uh, take a look at what else is in the the, the Formula One world this week. And uh, well, we we haven't talked very often about uh, racing points uh, in the last little while, but uh, Mercedes is actually going to become the second largest shareholder in Aston Martin. And this is uh, in parallel with an increased level of uh, technical cooperation between the two uh, car marks. And uh, this is really, really uh, interesting. I mean, uh, despite all the things that, that have been happening around the world with covid and everything uh, like that and the and and uh, the, the the financial and economic uh, repercussions we still saw earlier this year that Lauren stroll and his uh, consortium went in and invested mega bucks into aston martin and of course uh, you know they've uh, also been behind racing point which is going to become the aston martin uh, aston martin uh, works team uh, next year i mean they've been involved that for a couple of years so it's really been uh, you know a, a long time uh, coming and just a uh, part of a, a bigger move and it is a uh, really really uh, interesting to, uh, to see that so mercedes is actually going to increase their stake in the company up to 20 percent, and also provide uh, uh what aston martin is calling uh an access to a range of world-class technologies including powertrain architecture for conventional hybrid and electric vehicles and future oriented uh, electric electronic architecture for all product launches through 2027 so that's uh, very very interesting to hear. Uh, of course, there's been a, a sort of a Mercedes uh, link already, and that's uh, with a uh, total Wolf, who's uh, already a, a shareholder of Aston, uh, Aston, but you know he's doing so on his own uh, personal private side. So Lauren Stroll, who is also uh, Aston's owner and executive chairman, was also uh, very poignant in in stating that uh, the significance of the extended uh, cooperation with with, uh, Mercedes. Anyways, uh, Stroll had to say, quote, This is a transformational moment for Aston Martin. It is the result of six months of enormous effort to, to position the company for success to capture the huge and exciting opportunity ahead of us. I'm extremely pleased with the progress to date and that we are ahead of plan on timing despite operating in these most challenging of times. Today, we take another major step forward as our long term partnership with Mercedes Benz AG moves to another level, with them becoming one of the company's largest shareholders through this new expanded agreement, we secure secure access to world-class technologies to support our long-term product expansion plans, including electric and hybrid powertrains, and the partnership underpins our confidence in the future, end quote. So, uh, like I say, I mean, it is uh, very, very interesting uh, to, to hear that uh, such uh, major things are happening in the motor sports uh, worlds, in the automotive world, uh, despite all the uncertainty. Uh, now, sticking with Racing Point and uh, with, with the Stroll family, Total Wolf, the uh, Mercedes team principal, says that uh, Lance, who is the the, the son of uh, Lawrence and, of course, a uh, racing point uh, driver, as uh, was previous with Williams, anyways, uh, Total believes that he thinks that Lance uh, faces a bit of unfair, what he calls a stigma because of uh, Lawrence's wealth, and uh, he feels that Lance is 100% deserving of his place in, in in Formula One, and, you know, I think, unfortunately, that this is just one of these things that's always going to be. Uh, thrown out there that, you know, he's the rich spoiled kid that, you know, you know, daddy helped him get into Formula One and has paid his way. And well, yeah, I mean, there is a, an element of truth to that. Of course, uh, you know, the, the Strolls are very wealthy. Lance obviously has had uh, more access and financial support to this sort of thing than a lot of other people, less normal people. But still, we have to remember that uh, that, he, that despite his dad throwing all that money and helping him out in his career, whatever the cost was. He had to have some sort of talent. I mean, you just can't throw all that money out and expect that uh, you're going to rise all the way to the top in, in, in Formula One just because somebody's writing big checks for you. So, I mean, there is an element of that. But I mean, let's not forget, Lance was also very successful in all the other uh, formula that he's uh, raced in. And uh, I, I think that, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's these things are just only going to be uh, made um, from from time to time. Anyways, uh, Toto had to say, quote, name me one driver the season that is not there on merit. Let's look at Lance, and I'm not biased here because I agree it should be a meritocracy. He won the Italian F4 championship, won the international F3 championship, has been on the podium twice, and has qualified for the fr- fr- first row in Monza in the rain. I don't think we can say just because his father's a billionaire that he's not here on merit. I think he's actually Suffering uh, from the stigma, and that is just not right. He can't do anything for his father being very successful in his own right. It's even more impressive that a kid uh, with that environment chooses the most competitive or one of the most competitive sports in the world. Honestly, there is no uh, discussion. End quote. So, yeah, I, I think that, uh, that that is a good take that uh, that, that Toto has uh, made. I mean, uh, like I said, uh, Lance has been very successful in uh, in junior formulas and. Uh, you know, I would like to see him do uh, do better in Formula One, honestly. But I mean, he's been he he came into the sport uh, fairly young. And, uh, I mean, there are a lot of young drivers in Formula One, obviously, in this time. I mean, there's been a, a real switch uh, towards, uh, you know, a, a youth movement over the past uh, couple of years. And we've definitely seen his, uh, his, his you know, his potential and his talent uh, fr- from time to time. We have to remember, too, when he was at uh, Racing Point at the beginning, he was very much in a car that was designed for someone else. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's hit a bit of a bad patch the past uh, couple of races. I mean, he was sick after Russia. He missed, uh, you know... Mr. M- Mr. Race in between, uh, you know, the Eiffel Grand Prix and all that. But uh, I mean, it's just uh, difficult. I mean, he's had uh, some uh, mechanical issues. He had a crash a crash in Mugello, so he he just needs to work uh, through that. And I mean, we we've seen his potential from time to time. Although uh, Lando Norris <laughs> might uh, might dis- uh, disagree with that. Anyways, uh, moving on to the next story, James Allison, who's the technical uh, director to uh, Mercedes AMG Formula One says uh, getting the the tires, what he calls singing, is the biggest challenge whenever Formula One goes to a a new and unknown uh, racetrack uh, this year. Anyways, uh, he he conceded that uh, the start of the Portuguese Grand Prix was what he called very dicey. For both uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, Valtteri Bottas, even though it really worked out for them in the end, uh, coming home one-two. Anyways, uh, James had to say, "Quote: Going to a new track increases the workload and it adds a, a layer of uncertainty to us because we don't have a long checklist of all the things that might have gone wrong at that track in the past, and we don't have a detailed knowledge of the way in which the car is going to behave. But we still have pretty good simulation tools. As long as we know what the asphalt looks like, how rough it is, and the layout of the curbs and the racing line, we can get a pretty good estimate of." what we need to, to go quickly at that track. And like any track, really a new circuit or one we are very used to, the biggest challenge, the biggest thing that makes a difference to whether it is a good weekend or a bad weekend is whether or not we can get the tires really singing for us. If we can get them working happily within their working range, uh, the, the front and rear axle, and the car nicely balanced, then we are going to have a good weekend." End quote. So, well, an interesting admission from from Allison there, and honestly, I mean, they've had more good weekends than bad weekends at uh, you know the, this season. I mean, I, I think obviously the two uh, problematic seasons or races that they have uh, were at uh, were at Silverstone in the summer when uh, for the 70th anniversary and for the British Grand Prix. But that, uh, that that was an interesting one. I mean, that that was the heat, uh, obviously that, uh, that that was causing the issues in those races. I mean, we had the punctures, and then they had a graining the weekend uh, thereafter for the for the 70th anniversary. Grand Prix. But um, yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that is a little bit counter to what uh, you know James was uh, saying because uh, he was saying that the, the challenges uh, seem to be coming more from the tracks that they, they don't have a lot of uh, data on, say your Portimaos, your uh, Mugellos and places like that, that they, they, they haven't been to for a very long time or completely brand new to Formula One because uh, they came in as uh, part of these uh, you know uh, brand new and uh, fill-in events, uh, replacement events for uh, the, the the races that were cancelled so so that that is that is interesting but uh, the the thing is that we we have seen that they have issues and despite them seeing that uh, that the, the the W11 is the the, the best cart that they've uh, built and uh, designed and built uh, to date that it's still it's not without its uh, its challenges but uh, whenever they they get that card dialed in right I mean, boy, is it uh, ever good. Anyways, uh, moving over to uh, Mercedes' one-time rivals, Ferrari, uh, Matteo Bonato, the team principal, said that they have to uh, prove the progress that they've seen over the past uh, couple of races is uh, not just uh, track uh, specific. So uh, Bonato said they have to validate these uh, improvements that they've seen in the SF uh, 1000's uh, performance to uh, really make sure that it's uh, due to the actual or not uh, due to the characteristics of uh, tracks like uh, Portimao, and uh, it's just sort of a, a bit of a flash uh, in the pan. And I mean, the the SF uh, 1000 has just been uh, you know a real problem, uh, you know, for them. I mean, uh, they've also had issues with the, with the power unit, so it's it's really been uh, across the, the the board. Anyways, uh, Bonato denied that there was what he called a day and night difference in the car's uh, performance uh, compared to uh, Mugello uh, a couple of weeks uh, previously. And uh, he said he was encouraged by the, the, the progress that they've uh, made since then. And uh, he really wanted to see how the car performs at other uh, uh, tracks before he really makes a, a firm judgment and, uh, and, and really comments uh, concretely on it. Anyways, Mattia did say, quote, uh, the car is slightly improved, but it's not completely a different picture. When I think uh, the, that the battle is so close in the midfield, a couple of uh, may help uh, by staying behind or being ahead. I think in the race, our race pace Mugello was very poor compared to uh, Quali. I see in Portugal, the race pace has been better, but uh, there are many reasons for it. And not only the car upgrades, but I think it'll be more important for us anyways in the next races to prove that the updates are bringing us some performance that we've seen here, or if it's only specific to Portimao. So yeah, I mean, they've uh, certainly had their their issues uh, this year. And uh, yeah, I mean, th- there is no doubt that uh, that the car has been a little bit better. I mean, uh, Charles, for example, I mean, he qualified fourth at uh, the Portuguese Grand Prix last week and finished, actually finished in fourth. And uh, he, he's had some decent-ish results in, in recent, uh, recent times. But still, I mean, regardless, uh, <laughs> they're still a long ways off where they want and where they, they need to be. Anyways, uh, sticking uh, with, uh, with with Ferrari, we're going to talk now about uh, the, one of their sister team, and that's uh, Alpha Romeo and uh, Alpha and Sauber have uh, decided to extend uh, the the naming uh, deal that they have uh, together for at least another year into 2021 and that uh, has only just been uh, confirmed uh, this uh, the, the just uh, late this week so they actually got together for the first time in 2018 when it was under uh, what was it uh, Sauber Alfa Romeo last year was the first uh, full year's alpha alpha again uh, for for this year and uh, it's good to see i mean it, it's it's a good mark to see in formula 1 and uh, it, it is uh, good that uh, that they're going to be uh, staying in uh, at least uh, name-wise for at least uh, one more year. Uh, team Principal Fred Vassura had to say, quote, the extension of our relationship with Alfa Romeo is a true statement of intent from both parties. In Salber, Alfa Romeo found a committed performance-driven partner to which they could entrust their brand. We are honored to carry the heritage and past success of Alfa Romeo in our name. Both parties always intended for this relationship to bear fruit in the long term. We have laid some solid foundations in the last three seasons and we aim to reap the rewards of this work in 2021 and beyond." End quote. So we'll wait and see. I mean, uh, this year they seem to be struggling a little bit, but I don't think that's uh, entirely all uh, on them. I mean, you you just look at the the, the issues that uh, Ferrari are having, and also has all the Ferrari powered cars clearly are at a disadvantage to uh, all the other teams that are either running uh, Mercedes or Renault power or Honda. I mean, uh, there there's four engine manufacturers in, in Formula One at the uh, at the moment. And clearly out of the four engines available the the, the Ferrari has uh, some uh, some issues uh, compared to, uh, to the others anyways uh, let's talk now about Renault uh, they yes they are still around and uh, what they called strange Portugal form uh, will help them uh, understand a bit of a, a step back so uh, both Esteban and uh, Esteban ocar and Daniel Ricardo think uh, what they called strange things they encountered in Portugal will help them uh, get to the bottom of of, uh, some of the, the, the challenges uh, that they had. I mean, they'd had some pretty good, good results uh, before that. Obviously, at, uh, at the Eiffel Grand Prix, at the Nürburgring, uh, Danny Ricardo got them their first podium in uh, in a very long time. I mean, uh, they, they've been several years back in Formula One since they took over Lotus. But uh, it, it's been a long climb to get back up to uh, where they'd actually be in that uh, position to, uh, to, to to fight for a place on the podium. And it's, it's certainly been a long, uh, long time coming. So it was disappointing to see that they weren't quite as pacey uh, in in uh, in Portugal as they had been over the past uh, several races, I think at Aconcil and uh, and Ricardo, what did they come back or where where did they finish in Portugal? I think it was like seventh or eighth off the top of my head. So uh, you know, disappointing uh, to see them uh, stumble backwards. So obviously a little bit of work to do, and uh, hopefully they get that uh, sorted out. Anyways, uh, time for a quick break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right, well, welcome back to the show. And sticking with some of the midfield teams, uh, Alpha Tauri has com- uh, confirmed uh, this week that they are going to retain Pierre Gasly for 2021. Um, Pierre's been having a really, really solid year this year. I mean, he won the uh, the Italian Grand Prix at Monza a couple of months ago. And uh, he's just, uh, he's, he's been a solid performer all year long. I mean, he's been doing some very, very good things in that Alpha Tauri all year. And I think this is a, a good story for a guy that uh, I'm, I mean, one year, like a single year, is uh, maybe not uh, a complete indicator of where, where a young driver's uh, career is going to go. However, last year was not a great year for Pierre. I mean, he'd been pretty good at uh, Alpha, at Elf- sorry, at Toro Rosso the year before, and then uh, you know getting moved up uh, to, uh, to 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 Red Bull for 2019, and then unfortunately it didn't really work out through the first half of the year, and then found himself returned to uh, Toro Rosso after the uh, uh, you know uh, after the summer break, and then uh, it, it's taken some time, I think, for him to kind of like settle back in and really find his uh, mojo again. But uh, it, it's a good story, that uh, you know, especially this year, to see that uh, Gasly's uh, been doing so well. Anyways, uh, Pierre himself had to say, quote, I'm extremely happy to continue with Scuderia Alpha Tauri for another season. This year is going very well and we are on track to have our most successful season in the team's history. I feel we have a very strong relationship. We have managed to take every opportunity that has come our way, the best one at the Italian Grand Prix. Winning my first Formula race in Monza was a very special moment for me. It was made extra sweet to deliver the second win in the team's history, so I'm very proud of that. I'll do my maximum to push the team and take all my responsibility to bring it as far forward as I can, end quote. So yeah, like I say, good to see uh, Pierre uh, sticking in Formula One. And uh, obviously uh, with the, with AlphaTauri, there seems to be a, a good fit uh, for the pair of them. So uh, Red Bull team principal Christian Horner says that uh, Pierre Gasly is actually not uh, or wasn't under consideration for the, the the second seat at Red Bull along uh, Max Verstappen. Um, uh, Gasly's replacement at uh, Red Bull Alex Elbon Although he had a very good uh, uh, half season there last year, has struggled uh, you know throughout this year to really, uh, re- really get in his groove and do something. I mean, he's just not uh, r- close in terms of pace to his teammate Max Verstappen. Uh, is not really helping the team the way that he should, and the constructors by uh, you know scoring the maximum amount of points that uh, that uh, that they feel he should be uh, capable of. Anyways, um, Horner believes that, uh, that, that Pierre Gasly is uh, really doing well in the environment at AlphaTauri with uh, with less uh, pressure uh, than he would have at, uh, at Red Bull. And uh, he also feels that the AlphaTauri is a, a car that is not quite as complicated and tricky to drive as the Red Bull uh, itself. Um, anyways, uh, Horner uh, had the following to say, quote, obviously we have a lot of information on the drivers over a big period of time. So Pierre has done a, su- a super job. He's driving very well in an environment where uh, with uh, AlphaTauri, Tauri. He's comfortable in that car and perhaps with less pressure that goes with that environment as well and less expectation. I think uh, that obviously their aspirations as a team are different as it was as Tara Rosso. So it makes sense that the fit works well in both directions with Pierre and the Alpha Tauri team. End quote. Uh, anyways, uh, uh, Horner actually uh, doesn't. He actually feels that uh, that uh, Gasly um, couldn't. He might not be able to do a better job than uh, Alex Albon. Um, he had to say, "Quote: Our first and foremost priority is just to give uh, Alex the opportunity to lay claim to that seat." Let's not forget when he uh, jumped in the car last year, he outscored and outperformed Pierre significantly in the balance of 2019. So, if we were to swap them back, would it be any difference? Uh, any, end quote. And yeah, I think that's, uh, that, that's a great, uh, great point, uh, that, that, uh, that, that Horner's making. He's also said in the last, uh, couple of weeks that if they do decide, uh, to replace Alex Albon, that they're going to, to look outside of, uh, of, uh, of the Red Bull, uh, system. And, uh, you know, there, there are a number of good drivers out there uh, available. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg's available. Sergio Perez is uh, available. Um, then you have guys like uh, Roman Grosjean, and Kevin Haas uh, that uh, are, sorry, Kevin Magnussen that uh, that were let go by Haas last week. So there are op- options out there. I mean, uh, I, I think that uh, the two names that would pop up immediately I, I think would be Hulkenberg uh, and, uh, and, and, and Perez. They might be a good fit uh, in that car. Anyways, uh, Gasly his teammate, Danny Kvyat, said he's not worried about his future at uh, at Alpha Tauri, uh, even though that it might look that his chances of staying with the team uh, or holding on that seat uh, might be uh, somewhat uh uh, well, maybe evaporating a little bit. Anyways, uh, Kvyat had to say, quote, honestly, I'm not at all worried. Whatever. If I'm going to be an F1 next year, it's good. If not, then so be it. I'm completely at the moment not thinking about this. It's not my priority, priority right now. I can afford a year off so uh, or anything I want. So we will see. I still don't know exactly what it's going to be. I'm going to do my best the last few uh, races remaining. It's always the best thing to do to fully focus on that. And then we will see what the future will bring. Of course, I'm aware that anything can happen, end quote. So there you go. Uh, Again, I guess it depends uh, who they want to get in that car. If they've got other drivers in the system that they they, they feel that uh, should be there. And uh, we'll see whether or not uh, Danny Kiviat uh, sticks with Alpha Tauri for 2021. Now, uh, moving back to uh, Williams and uh, George Russell, which uh, who we talked about uh, at the at the top of the show, uh, he feels that uh, that uh, the Sergio Perez camp uh, or his uh, his organization, his retainers, his peeps. Have been spreading a bit of uh, fake news out there, uh, basically uh, saying that uh, that uh, George is going to be the guy that's going to see him uh, not or, uh, thrown out the front door of Williams at uh, at the end of this year. Anyways, uh, Russell does have a contract to, to drive for Williams for for next year, uh, but uh, the, the 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 rumor that's been out there for the last week or so is that uh, perhaps that uh, his seat isn't as safe as uh, he thinks it is as Williams, and uh, Perez is actually a favorite. Uh, to uh, to to take that uh, seat over, and I mean, uh, Russell's done pretty good this year. I mean, he's gotten uh, clearly a clearly not a very fast or competitive car into Q two a number of times. He's come very close to, to scoring some points, which I think is a a great uh, team for a thing or a great thing for a team like Williams who are not going to do that uh, very often. So I think it's uh it, it's interesting that it's being thrown out there that uh, that that you know he's going to be uh, replaced. So, anyways, uh, George had to say, "quote I think all the speculation." is probably being fed by the Perez camp who are trying to apply pressure on the other teams further down the grid, potentially uh, for a Red Bull seat. That's my view on it. I've got a contract. I've got nothing to worry about and I'm just here focusing on my job, end quote. So... That's interesting that uh, that uh, perhaps uh, he thinks it's a, a bit of propaganda by uh, Sergio Perez's management team to maybe uh, make it uh, sound like uh, you know there, there's desire for him to go somewhere else, but uh, you know specifically to uh, uh, you know f- maybe force uh, Red Bull to play their hand a little bit or make a move. I don't know so much about that. I mean, I can see why, but. Uh, you know, if uh, he's kind of on the fringe, anyways, and uh, you know, the, you know, the, he's trying to leverage a, a seat at Red Bull by saying that uh, that that Williams want them or wants him to go and drive for them next year. I'm sure if he's not really under consideration for uh, for, for for Red Bull, then they'd be just like, okay, well, fine, we're we're not going to give you a, a drive for next year anyway. So if uh, Williams are offering a seat, then then go for it. So I mean, they could always call his uh, bluff as well. Anyways, uh, Total Wolf, uh, the the Mercedes uh, team principal. Now, let, let's not forget that uh, uh, Russell is a Mercedes driver. He's come through that uh, system. Uh, he feels that uh, Williams' uh, decision, whatever it is, uh, to, to keep him or uh, replace him with uh, Sergio Perez for, for next year is not uh, uh, due to Russell's uh, performance uh, and uh, you know, what, what he's done at Williams over the past uh, couple of uh, years. And it's uh, what he calls a, a political and a commercial uh, decision. Anyways, uh, what, what Toto had specifically to say was, quote, George has proven that he deserves to be in Formula 1. Today, today again, he was running solid." in the midfield I don't think the decision comes down to his driving skills it's probably an overall political decision and a commercial decision it's up to the owner of williams to decide where they want to help with the team we have good respect of the independence of williams and the decision-making progress i think he is in a good position quote. so we'll see uh we'll see what happens uh, whether or not he sticks uh, toto did say uh, they uh, say that if uh, george does lose his uh, race seat uh, at williams for 2021 he would be uh, put through what he calls a a mega testing program with uh, Mercedes next year. Uh, he would uh, revert back to being their uh, reserve driver, uh, but uh, he still thinks that uh, that George, uh, you know, he's very confident that uh, he's going to be in, in Formula 1 uh, next year. Anyways, uh, I, I just mentioned a little while ago, uh, one of the guys that is available for next year is uh, Kevin Magnussen, the Haas driver. Uh, Haas team principal, uh, Gunther Steiner, believes that uh, Kevin Ma- Magnussen is absolutely deserving of a seat in Formula 1. One, uh, next year. So uh, he's had a, a- He's butted heads with uh, his teammate uh, Roman Grosjean, uh, you know, th- throughout the years. Uh, I mean, uh, during their time together, uh, they they did uh, butt heads again uh, last week at uh, at the Portuguese Grand Prix. You know, despite the fact that they were way down there, finishing 16th and 17th, uh, but uh, it was uh, it was made known a couple of weeks ago that uh, that they weren't going to be uh, brought back for next year. And I mean, they've been saying that uh, for for a little while that uh, they had uh, up to ten guys uh, that they were looking at uh, for for 2021. And uh, they they said that uh, maybe uh, one or both of those guys would be uh, brought back for for next year. And ultimately, uh, they decided, apparently some time ago, that neither Magnuson ha- or, uh, or uh, Grosjean would be coming back to, uh, to Hassa uh, for for next year. Anyways, uh, Gunther had to say, I mean, I think he's good enough. Just at the moment, it's tough to find a seat, but he has shown over the last four years and with us and before that he has the talent he just needs to find somewhere. He's matured a lot, I would say. I'm very complimentary of that towards him. The first two years, I think he still had uh, what you call the symptoms, the post of uh, being fired twice from a team. He always uh, has a bit on edge, but it's calmed down a lot. He's much more mature and it also comes with age that you become more uh, much more Mature. But the, uh, as a race car driver, he's much more calm, and if there's something wrong, he doesn't fall out of balance. End quote. So uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. I mean, uh, there's obviously not uh, too many uh, race seats left uh, for for 2021, so uh, we'll have to keep an eye out and see what uh, happens to, uh, to to Kevin Magnussen. I mean, his teammate uh, Roman Grosjean. Uh, he was saying that last week that uh, he feels that uh, he's got uh, plenty of uh, options outside of uh, Formula One if it doesn't pan out with uh, with a new race drive uh, within the uh, uh, within uh, F1 uh, next year. Anyways, uh, moving away from the the, the silly season stuff now Lando Norris has uh, apologized for, for some of the comments he made about uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, after the, the Portuguese uh, Grand Prix last week which Lewis won uh, which was his 92nd uh, career Grand Prix victory, which now moves him undisputedly into the all-time uh, lead. Uh, after winning the Eiffel Grand Prix, he was tied on 91 wins with uh, Michael Schumacher, and now he is the the sole uh, record holder. So uh, basically, uh, George was just kind of like, ah, whatever. That's uh, basically it's you know, the way that it, it came across after the the, the Portuguese Grand Prix uh, last week. anyways uh, George uh, actually uh, did make uh, a statement uh, he tweeted it out which is so very um, well I guess uh, Twitter isn't uh, very 2020 but uh, certainly is a thing that people uh, do nowadays. Anyways, Lando had to say, quote, I owe an apology. I've been stupid and careless with some of the things I've said uh, lately in media and interviews. I haven't shown the respect I, sh- respect I should have to certain people. I'm not that kind of person, so I know I should apologize to them, but also reading and listening. Sorry, end quote. So there you go. Um, so basically, uh, Lando... Um, yeah. I just really didn't pay respect to the fact that uh, that that uh, uh, Lewis had made that uh, record breaking win and uh, and and moved uh, you know uh, further ahead in there. He, anyways, he had to say, "quote I'm just happy for him, nothing more. It doesn't mean anything to me really. He's in a car which uh, should win every race. Basically, he has to to beat uh, just one or two other drivers. That's it. Fair play to him. He's still doing the job he has to do." End quote. So, yeah, I mean, regardless if he has the best car or not, I mean. He he still has to go out there and 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 race like everybody else. It's just that uh, he's got better equipment to to, to to do so. I mean, the fact is that uh, Lewis is the, the the best driver and the best car, and you, you get a combination of like uh, Lewis Hamilton and, uh, and and Mercedes. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, good things are going to happen, and we've seen that uh, demonstrated. So, I, I mean, it comes off of uh, a, a bit off the cuff, a little bit kind of. Um, it, it does come off just of dis- uh, disrespectful. So, uh, you know, I I, I like. Lando Norris, I, th- I think he's obviously, he's, he's a good driver. So I'm glad that he's, uh, he, he stood up and, uh, you know, made the admission and said the uh, the, the, the right thing. Um, anyways, uh, Total Wolf uh, says that uh, he knows what uh, the, the, the big difference in Hamilton's uh, approach uh, this year that has really given him an extra edge in, in 2020. I mean, <laughs> as if he doesn't, uh, you know, have enough of an edge on, on things uh, as it is. Um, anyways, uh, he believes it's down to uh, what he calls an evolution into Lewis's approach to, to, to race weekends, uh, this year. Anyways, uh total wolf, uh, had to say quote 92 race wins. Who would have thought that when we embarked on this project in 2013, it's almost a surreal amount of wins. It's, uh, his absolute passion, energy, everything that uh, he puts into the sport and the talent, the ability he's just standing out. End quote. So yeah, that that is very very true. Toto did go on to say, "quote I think it's uh, almost what I've seen uh, this year for the first time. It's that he ramps up his uh, weekend. There's a lot of reflection, a lot of learning, understanding the tires for the race. And yeah, he's just sitting comfortable. And I believe uh, at the beginning in Portugal." And once the first laps were done, he just ramped it up, and then he had an unbelievable pace. End quote. Yeah, he absolutely did. When Lewis got into the groove, when he was really comfortable, he just uh, was was absolutely uh, flying. I mean, he was just uh, un, uh, unmatchable. Anyways, um, uh, there's still some speculation as to uh, what uh, you know might happen with uh, Lewis. He hasn't uh, actually negotiated a new contract uh, with uh, with uh, with Mercedes. I mean, if Lewis is gonna come back after this year, I mean he's gonna do so pretty much in his own terms. I mean, they're they're gonna have to write him a, a big check to do so. And I think that uh that, that Toto uh obviously uh, recognizes that and there's a bit of a humorous quote in uh when he was asked uh how they're gonna pay for uh for Lewis's big payday after, uh, you know, uh, well, all, all the records that he's uh, broken. And uh, I mean, he's going to be uh, win that seventh world title this uh, the, this year. I mean, he's going to tie Schumacher. And then uh, if he wins it next year, I mean, uh, the we truly are in uncharted uh, territory. Anyways, uh, when uh, when asked about uh, the, the, the details of uh, a new contract with Lewis, he had to say, quote, it's huge. We have to sell plenty of inventory, sell at least back the buildings and just come up with the money, end quote. So a <laughs> bit of a funny quote there. Glad to see that. that that Toto has a a good sense of humor. Anyways, uh, time for one final break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right, well, welcome back to the show. On time to start uh, shutting it down and start to uh, shut off the lights slowly one by one. Of course, this weekend, uh, we are going back to Imola, the Autodroma Internazionale Enzo e Dino Ferrari. I apologize to my Italian friends for butchering your language so badly. But uh yes the San Marino Grand Prix goes at Imola this week. Uh it was cool to see it a a month or so ago the World Cycling Championships uh that uh, they they used a uh, part of the track uh for, for for the road race portion. It was a uh, and it was, it was really really cool uh, to see. Anyways, great to get back there with Formula 1 first time since uh, 2006 first time that uh, we saw the San Marino Grand Prix goes all the way back to 1981 so I mean they had a really really uh, long run but I mean it's been almost 15 years since uh, we've been there uh, Michael Schumacher holds the record with seven victories at uh, Imola. Uh, the most wins uh, by a constructor are Williams and Ferrari, who both have eight wins apiece. Uh, the circuit is uh, just under five kilometers in length. Uh, it's just uh, under three point mile, or sorry, three point one miles. A total race distance of uh, three oh seven point two kilometers, or one hundred ninety one point zero two miles going to be a 62 lap uh, race the last time that they were there in 2006 so i i think we're almost guaranteed we're going to see uh lap records and all that uh set the, the this weekend Anyways, uh, the pole position was uh, set by Michael Schumacher. Uh, Michael Schumacher that year. Uh, pole time was uh, a one twenty two point seven nine five. Uh, the the fastest lap of the race was set by uh, Fernando Alonso in the the the, the Renault, and uh, Fernando's uh, uh, fastest lap was a one twenty four point five six nine. The podium back in two thousand and six uh, was uh, an interesting one. Michael Schumacher in the Ferrari, Fernando Alonso in uh, the Renault and Juan Pablo Montoya in the uh, McLaren Mercedes so those were your top three uh, drivers on the podium uh, that year and of course uh, it's got a bit of a a dark history that track I mean if you go back to uh, 1994 and the tragic events uh, that we saw that race uh, weekend when we saw Roland Ratzenberger killed uh, during qualifying and uh, Ayrton Senna killed uh, during the race was uh, really uh, the the saddest of, uh, circumstances. You know there was uh come, you know a number of years ago and I've got I've got the DVD upstairs so I mean that uh, just goes to prove uh, how long this one's uh, been out. Uh but that uh that that documentary uh, Senna that uh, that came out it's been on Netflix it's been able uh, you've been able to stream it in other places uh subsequently. I mean absolutely fantastic documentary film about the the life and uh, life and times of uh, Ayrton Senna but I've never been able to watch the the the, the whole thing. I I remember watching that uh, live and I just uh, remember just uh, the, the 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 bad vibe that we had to begin with after you know was killed on the Saturday, and then just watching the race itself and the incident at uh, Tamburello, where then uh, where Senna had his uh, his accident. And uh, it, it really left a mark. I, I've I've never been able to go back and and watch that uh, that movie. I get to the part where it gets to Imola, and um, I, I've just never been able to, uh, to, to to push through and watch the the, the, the whole thing. But uh, anyways, hoping for a, a good race, a safe race on Sunday. Uh, I was looking at the, uh, the 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 weather port report a little bit uh, earlier uh, for the forecast on Sunday. So if you look at about uh, you know early to mid afternoon, we're looking at about sixty degrees uh, Fahrenheit or about 18 degrees uh, centigrade, uh, looking at, uh, you know, fairly gentle winds of about uh, five uh, my, uh, miles per hour, um, you know, or eight kilometers an hour. Not uh, not a lot, although last week I thought it was interesting at, uh, at Portimao, the, the, the drivers were talking about the strong winds and uh, on the graphic on the television feed said that the, the, the wind was uh, coming from the north-northeast at about 11 kilometers or about six and a half uh, miles per hour hour. And, uh, I thought, well, that doesn't really seem like, I mean, it's not like 60 miles an hour, a hundred kilometer an hour winds, uh, you know, uh, I mean, you know, six and a half miles an hour, 11 kilometers an hour, whatever it is, seems to me to be a bit of a, a gentle breeze, but I guess these uh, cars are just really that, uh, that, that sensitive. So, uh, there's a very little chance of a precipitation forecast calling for 10% chance of rain on Sunday, and uh and a relative humidity of uh, 81 degrees so we'll wait and see how it uh, turns out and as always how can you really uh, bet against uh lewis hamilton and uh, mercedes uh, this week don't really need to go down the constructors and the drivers championship uh, at the moment on the, uh, the, the the driver's side it's lewis ahead of everyone by a mile and on the uh, the, the constructor side it is uh, mercedes ahead of everybody else by a country mile so you know there you go Th- those are your world champions in in waiting at the moment. I mean, uh, of course, uh, the, mathematically, somebody else can still win both of these uh, titles, although it's uh, completely unrealistic unre- at this point. I believe, uh, you know, it's, they're, they're going to win the the confirm uh, of being world champions on the constructors uh, this weekend uh, when they, uh, when they uh, score enough points. I'm not saying if, but when. I mean, uh, it would uh, really be uh, the rarest of occasions if uh, they, they do not score very many points, but uh, I suppose things can happen and uh, we'll wait and see what happens uh, indeed on Sunday afternoon at emela uh, anyways that is it for the show this uh, this week thank you so very much uh, for for downloading and listening course as always if you want to get in touch best and quickest and easiest way is on the twitters at scudery f1 pod or email at uh, scuderiaf one pod at gmail.com that's a wrap enjoy the race on sunday i'll be back uh, afterwards to talk about it and wrap it up enjoy it have a great week enjoy your uh, holiday weekend well it's not really a holiday it's halloween so uh enjoy halloween the trick or treating whatever you're going to do keep safe be covid smart take care of yourselves I'll talk to you again very, very soon. Bye for now. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to scuderiaf1pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com.